Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Every week, I love to talk to you. I love to talk to you about fatherhood, love to just get into your heads a little bit about what you're going through, but also bring you individuals that are going to help you to be able to think about things in different ways and be able to really think about fatherhood in different ways because every one of us is fathering in a completely different way. And it's so important for us to be able to connect ourselves with other dads, but also connect ourselves with other models of fatherhood because the way that you father, the way that I father is going to be different, but we can learn from each other and we can take on some different building blocks that will help us to build our own toolbox of fatherhood to make us better dads in the end. This week, we got another great guest. John Finkel is with us. John is a award-winning author of a number of books, Hoops Heist, The Life of Dad, Jocks in Chief, The Athlete Heart Over Height, Mean Joe Green, and a number of other ones. Now, his books have been endorsed by everyone from Mark Cuban to Tony Dungy to Spike Lee, Kevin Durant, and Chef Robert Irvine. He's written for GQ Men's Health, Yahoo Sports, the New York Times, been on CBS this morning. I mean, he, I could keep talking for a while now, but you can tell he's got some fun stuff in his background that we're going to talk about, but he's but even better. He's a father of two and a dad to a daughter, and we're going to talk about that as well. John, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it for a while. Really excited to have you here. One of the things that I love to do as we start chatting today is turn the clock back in time. And I know your daughter is 11. And what I want to do is turn that clock back to that first moment, that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? Well, I think the first thing that was going through my head was, all right, well, I guess I'm not having two boys like I thought my whole entire life. My brother is, uh, I have a younger brother, so we grew up just the two of us, my parents and my dad, my brother and I. And so, you know, there was always three to one in terms of boys and, and, and my mom. And so we were big sports family, you know, r- wrestling, everything was a competition. You know, when you're 20s and your teens, I'm not thinking about like what my family would look like. You don't picture those things. I just assumed I'd have a couple boys. You know, I, we, I know my wife and I already talked about a couple kids um, and it had nothing to do with a want or a need. It's just what I knew. So I figured that would happen. And I remember sitting as you're asking me to bring the clock back in the room where they're you know, doing the sonogram we're looking at. And the doctor was like, I remember he said, he's like, it looks like it's going to be a boy. Oh, no, it's a girl. And I was like, oh. And my wife still remembers you were just like, oh, you know. And it was not, again, I, I, I think it was a very neutral O. Oh, like, oh, that is actually surprising. That kind of jars me a little bit. But then, you know, the next whatever, however many months from then, you can tell six, eight months when, when the baby comes out. And you have a daughter. And it's just, I never had my first child. So all the new things of being a father are there anyway. I think the specific daughter stuff that I wasn't, not even prepared for, that I had no frame of reference for starts at, you would know, I don't know, four. In the beginning, yeah, I've had a son now too. Between, up until four-ish, they're basically cute little kids who need a million things done for them and roll over and diapers and all that. When they start to have interests and they start to kind of have those things and you know, your little princess and all those things and the toy, that's where things kind of veered from what I was used to growing up to like, okay, so we're not doing Hot Wheels, we're not doing this, we're Barbies, we're painting my nails, we're you know, tea parties, all those Total cliches, we're doing all of those things. 
You know, I hear from a lot of dads that, as you said, you go in and you thought, hey, I'm going to have two, two boys. And reality hits in and there's a, that difference that happens, you know, when you find out that you're going to be a father to a daughter. When I talk to a lot of dads, there's sometimes a little bit of fear because of the unknown and not knowing exactly what to expect and not knowing what that female experience is all about. What would you say was your biggest fear in raising a daughter? I immediately fast forwarded to like her being like 13. Like I felt like whatever was going to come our way and she's 11 now. So I probably should have moved 13 to 11 is when I'm really starting to see this, you know, all the, all the interactions with boys and all these things just start budding. But that was it. I just, I, I went back to like myself being grade school. My, I mean, a middle school, moving into high school, all the things that we talked about with girls and how it was just, you know, you, how obsessed you became, you know, as like a, when you started getting those hormones rushing and the dances and dates and who's dating what. And I never once considered it from the other side. And it was just that hit me. Honestly, I literally like hit a time warp to, all right, what is this going to be like at 13? And um, again, probably should have been a little earlier, but it was, I don't think fear, but just definitely like a, a, a total unknown of what is it like to do, to experience all the stuff I experienced, but from not only my daughter's eyes, the father of a daughter who's going to have to deal with you know, breakups and angst and friend drama. And I'm stereotyping, but it's, it's all here. It's happened. It's true. You know, like all the things that as a guy, you're like, oh my God, girls, they're nuts. You know, you kind of look at it and you're like, I see all of these things. I never had any of this. And again, I, maybe I'm me, but me and my friends and, you know, growing up now all the way to adulthood, it's just already things that I'm like, wow, this is a whole new world with feelings and emotions and ups and downs. And it's again, she's 11. So I'm just into the first year and a half or two years or so, you have probably plenty of advice on this, but it is the things that, that, that they obsess about that set them off, that they feel so passionate about and drop, the things that they had no interest in and now are all over. It's, it's like a roller coaster that I've never been on before. Well, keep holding on because there, that roller coaster will continue, at least for the next few years, until it kind of evens out a little bit as you get in the middle of high school, at least from my own experience, that tends to happen. But you have to get into that mode of understanding and listening. And, and I think any, any man that has a relationship with any woman is going to have to understand that. It is going to have to become a better listener, is going to have to under, start to understand how women think versus how men think. And you have to do that with your daughters as well. So, you know, it's definitely a learning process all the way through their formative years, into their teenage years, into their adult years. And it's always evolving as well. And I'm sure you've seen that along the way as well. Now, as you look at, at the years that you've had with your daughter and some of those ups and downs, the roller coaster of either emotions or the ride that you've been on, what would you say has been the hardest part in raising a daughter? Good question. The hardest part of raising a daughter is kind of what you were just alluding to, where from the boy perspective, my, my, again, my growing up and now having a son who's nine, there's very much a, hey, rub some dirt on it and it's okay mentality. And it, it's true. I was that way. My son, almost any mood he's in, if I throw the word fart or butt munch in my response, he laughs, it's over, and we're back to shooting hoops or doing homework or whatever it was. The, the things that will derail him are very quick, like, you know, noogie, Charlie horse, ha, 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 let's go. And there, that divide between that and having a daughter is, 
it's it's the it's a grand canyon with my daughter the things that are wrong something is wrong going on with her mentally or something at school happened or someone said something it is exactly what you said it is a lot of listening and that's our job it's not like it, you know it's what you do but it is a lot of listening it is and a lot of conversations, it is a lot of understanding, putting yourself in her shoes, understanding why something that totally, as a person who grew up a guy, is like, what in the world? Like, this is just something somebody said in passing in the hallway. But I've noticed, again, I think my daughter probably is on the sensitive side too. I'm sure there's plenty of women out there who are like, yeah, I just let it roll off my back. Fine. But my daughter in particular and my friends who have daughters, we talk about this. It's, it's a, something that is a one-second, you know, noogie <laughs> let's go is a 40 minute, you know, Hey honey, I understand why this you're feeling this way. And it, and I get why this is going on. And here's some things that, you know, you should be thinking and you, know, you can't tell them what to do. You're just there to listen. Like you said, and support. I've learned that ultimately your job is to hug a lot, listen a lot and support as much as you can to get them through whatever it is. In addition to all the real parenting stuff, but in a, in a moment of we'll call a minor child, you know, drama crisis, that is what I've learned so far works with my daughter. I'm sure other daughters are different, but that's, that's the biggest difference is the, the different kinds of energy and the sheer amount of, and it really is just time. Like, you know, I something I have my son, I'm like, uh, you know, and you had your, your dad, you're calculating your dad head. Like, well, we have a lot of stuff going on. Okay. I can, I, this will be gone in one minute. But with her, sometimes I'm like, oh, this is okay. So we're not doing this right now. We're, we're actually, the bike ride is pushed off. We're going to sit and talk about this for, for 30 minutes. Now, you mentioned the fact that you and your son definitely have some common bonds, some things that you share together, and you and your daughter may have some differences. What would you say are the things that you and your daughter like to share together the most? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm juxtaposing them, but my daughter and I, have, we have so much in, in common in terms of likes and interests. Like, she's an awesome, like, really fun kid to do thing with do a lot of stuff with but like she is super outgoing and personality anyone we walk we just moved into a new neighborhood a year ago and it's like everyone knows her name before our names you know she's the one who remembers things and asks questions and is you know has a good good conversation with people which i love you know from little things like in the house like she loves you know breakfast and cooking and all that kind of stuff which i like eating the cooking which i'm, I'm good with but like i'm a big breakfast guy the eggs and the whole thing I, I can do dinners and things but i like making all that stuff she loves to do that stuff too like she really enjoys putting on pop music as much as i'm like a big like rap workout meatheady guy like i'll do the taylor swift thing like i like when she puts it on we're just kind of hanging around the house and doing stuff like that and and so there's a lot of those kind of things that i see she's just she's all heart which i think is something I've always, as I've gotten older, aspired to be more of. More caring and aware. Empathy is something I think I know I've worked on over the years, especially when I became a parent. And I see it in her. It's just one of the most beautiful things to see. Just instantly understanding something's either wrong with somebody or what they may need to hear. And dogs. We have a dog. She grew up with our other dog who passed away in, in 2020. And then we rescued another dog. And now she's super passionate about rescue dogs. We, we, every other Saturday now we go and she volunteers at the shelter and we take a dog home for the day and give it some time. And like, these are things that I just, I absolutely admire and love about her. You know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about too today is some of the work that you've been doing in regards to fatherhood, but also fitness. So I know it's kind of two completely separate sides, but you know, you did a bunch of work over the years. Um, you wrote a book called Life of Dad with some of the work that you and uh, one of our one, one of our past guests, Art Eddy, had done with the Life of Dad. 
And that was a number of years back. But over the years, you've worked with fathers in a lot of different ways. And I, I guess one of the questions that, that I'm kind of interested in is to pick your brain just a little bit. Because in your book, The Life of Dad, you really bring together a lot of voices and a lot of perspectives, and you allow for the reader to be able to learn from other dads, kind of like what we're doing right now. Through not only the writing of that book, the podcast that you and Art had worked on together, and, and the other work that you've done with dads, what are some of the biggest takeaways, some of the things that you've learned most in the work that you've done with fathers over the years? The number one thing that dads have to understand is you still matter a ton and you have to take care of yourself. There's the dad bod thing is something I hate more than anything. I think it's just a cop out and stupid. Nobody says like, Hey man, I'm going to get kids. I'm going to have kids and then just get wildly out of shape. And now just be like the, the, the joke, the butt of the joke of like, ah, I'm old, old, tired, my knees, my back, everything hurts. The older your kids get, the more important it is to actually be the opposite of that, to have the energy, to have the enthusiasm and to have the fitness to actually be able to enjoy them uh, all the way through, you know, even through their ha- having their own kids to, to grandkids. So uh, the thing that, that I, I always have talked about and, and I wrote for, you know, when I was single before I was married, you know, muscle and fitness and men's fitness and men's health. I was in my 20s. I, you know, if the magazine had men's or health or fitness in it, I, I wrote for it. I was on staff at a lot of those and wrote cover stories on, you know, a lot of star athletes and, the one thing that I learned from them was time management is really, really important. A lot of them, especially when I was younger, were older. They had families. They were, you know, in the NBA with kids, and they were, you know, or in, in the NHL or football. And the, the thing that happens when you have your your children is you just put them first naturally. Um, but sometimes that's not the best thing for your physical and mental health. Of course, we all deal with sleep deprivation and yeah, you know, whatever. The, the first six months you just kind of throw away, but. I would argue that that's the time to actually set the tone for guarding yourself against doing nothing for yourself. So for me, uh, one of those things was that was completely and totally non-negotiable. It was about an hour to work out four or five times a week. I don't think it's possible to manage the new stress of a baby, your life, your career, your wife, taking care of everything. If you feel like crap all the time, if you're low, your energy is low, and and it's a you know that vicious circle of like. You, you know, you stop working out, so your energy low, your energy low because you're not working out, so you just don't feel like it, and it just keeps dropping off. And I don't know how many guys who, you know, played regular pickup hoops or used to see in the gym, and then they're gone, and you bump into them, you know, at a soccer game five years later, and they have a belly. Again, I'm not shaming anyone, but, like, clearly it's done. Like, they have stopped caring about how they feel and how, you know, how they have the energy to do things. And so that's it. And my personal journey with that was, very difficult. I've always worked out heavily. Before my kids, I was on you know, master swimming two or three mornings a week, lifting three or four days a week, playing beach volleyball. I, I competed in ocean swims. Like As active as I could probably be as a guy married in his 30s. My wife's extremely active too, which you know, is one of the things we bonded over early. She's very, very fit, enjoys running on the beach and throwing a football around even and all that stuff. And once we had our second child, so I, you know, two, they're only 20 months apart, mine, so now it's two kids under two. And that time to work out, if I didn't, you know, I would try to do it at lunch at work and that wouldn't work because I got in later. I'd try to do it when I got home and then there's a, a, you know, one of the kids isn't going to bed or dinner's never the right time or the bottles aren't working or the, it's just always something. So I revamped my entire workout philosophy. It was a combination of my brother and Triple H. (laughs) I did an interview with Triple H for Muscle Fitness 
And he was talking about how, because they travel all year round, he has three kids, four kids, and he was talking about how it was his goal always to be there for breakfast, at least to start their day. You know, he might get in from a show or travel at midnight, and then he had to sleep. And I was like, well, when do you, you know, you're, you're jacked. And he was like, I work out midnight to 1.30. We have a trainer come to the house at, one, at midnight. We work out for an hour. And I was like, well, that's not doable. But you know what is doable? Like getting up at like 5 or 5.30 and working out for an hour when everyone else is asleep. And so that's what I started doing. I dropped my gym membership. I slowly got dumbbells and bands. And now I have the famous Flex Factory in my garage with full cage and, and hex bar and plates and bands and slam balls and kettlebells. And it's my like pride and joy in my house. But, but that's to me the key is putting fitness, putting your energy and your health first. And you'll be so, like, so like, surprised and how it affects positively the rest of your fatherhood experience. So let's talk a little bit about that, because I think there's a lot of guys, like you said, that do set aside their own health and their own fitness when their kids come, and they have a hard time figuring out, okay, how do I, how do I even set aside the time? You know, I'm providing for my family in other ways. I'm working. I'm, I'm trying to spend time with my partner. I am trying to spend time with the kids. I'm trying to fit this all in. You talked about, you know, finding that time early in the morning. But I guess for someone that hasn't done that for quite a while and they're just at a loss, they're, they're like, how do I even start with this? Because I haven't worked out in five years. I haven't worked out in 10 years. You know, I'm out of shape. You know, but I know that I want to be around when my kid is in her 30s, in her 40s. You know, I want to be around for a long time in her life. What are some of the first things, some of the basic building blocks that you would talk to that dad about to be able to start that journey? The number one thing is remove all excuses, right? So driving to the gym, eliminate that. The time factor, the two big things, the three, let's say. The actual commute to any gym, wherever you're going to work out, big problem for a lot of people. The time in the gym and then the time to work out throughout the day. And then some people, it's just cost. It's I have all these kids. I'm not spending 50 bucks a month on some gym membership. So there's a lot of factors. Well, the beauty is you can eliminate all of those because you can simply, you know, waking up early is free. Push-ups and running sprints are free. A jump rope that's pretty decent is 12 bucks. So to me, when I hear dad say that, I'm empathetic and sympathetic. I went through it. I understand my whole life flipped. I write, I'm a writer, I have, you know, I have full-time job, you know, editorial director and all the things I do, but my books and the things I've known, I, like a lot of writers, used to write late at night, at, you know, midnight, you know, nine to midnight or something like that. I used to, I've always been a pretty early riser workout-wise just because of swimming, but I didn't have to get up at five to do it. I would swim at eight, like, you know, before work, 7.30, like a normal wake-up time, or I would shoot, you know, I'd have a pickup game Sunday morning or all these things that I would, that I would do for exercise. And now I'm the, I'm the total opposite. I'm in bed, you know, most nights, unless I'm on a big writing deadline, you know, way earlier, nine or, you know, 10, 10-ish, so that I can get up at 5 or 5.30 and work out for that hour. So my advice is really, really simple. Eliminate all excuses. Forget, what, forget about trying to find time in the gym. Forget about all these things. Start really small, especially if you haven't exercised in a really long time or maybe you used to do. Whatever time you wake up in the morning, whether it's, unless you, you know, and there are people who have, you know, overnight job, I'm assuming you're the average nine to five schedule and your kids, let's say they go to school around seven, seven thirty, So you're getting up for them at six thirty. So the normal, the, what I would say, maybe what will cover a large swath of dads is your day with your kids starts what six thirty, six forty five, depending on the age, obviously if they're teenagers, they can do a lot of things themselves. So you get some of your free time back. But for those dads that you're saying that are in it, you know, their kids are under 10, 11, 12, maybe even smaller. The easiest thing to do is just instead, don't even start with getting up an hour early and try to figure out what to do. 
the best thing to do is get your, your workout shoes, everything ready right next to the bed, you know, set your alarm for 45 minutes earlier. And in the beginning, I would say, just go for a walk. Just get out, walk and think for 45 minutes. Don't worry about sweating. Don't worry about anything. For the first week, get used to getting up early. Don't put all these hurdles in the way of, oh, I don't have this dumbbell set or I don't, I don't want to do this whole hit workout where it's push-ups and jumping jacks. I don't even, just, you got to get used to getting up and getting out of bed. So like week one, I would do that. Week two is when I would start doing some, you know, some sprints and push-ups. Like pick your mailbox to mailbox around your neighborhood or if there's a park you can walk to or whatever it is. And you know, my, my wife has always gotten to work super early in the morning. So I was a very huge proponent early on of literally running sprints right in front of my house, mailbox to mailbox walk, just so that I was home basically. If, you know, I could see if the, you know, if the kids went out or anything, woke up or anything like that. And then you can start getting advanced routines of sprints, you know, some push-ups, some abs, just body weight stuff. And what's going to happen if you do that is you're going to realize you feel great. You're sweating before your kids get up. I used to have this thing called sweat before six. It was like this whole program of like, just get up and go. And, and what, what the beauty of this whole thing is, is by the time you wake your kids up at 630 or they get themselves up, you've done the thing for yourself. Your heart rate's been up. You're awake. You've been outside. You've sweat. You've got your blood flowing, your muscles flowing, and you don't have to worry about it the rest of the day. So that to me is the very first thing. If you're starting to put obstacles in front of yourself of, well, I don't have this equipment. I don't have that equipment. I don't have time in the gym. I don't have time in the afternoon. I don't like working out late at night. That's when I spend time with my wife and kids. I get it. I am exactly the same way. So you know what I do? I work out 5.15 to 6.15 in the morning. No excuses. I don't look on my phone. I don't check anything. I literally just put on music. I, I obviously over five over a decade now have built a pretty awesome garage gym for myself. But again, over a decade, every year I've, the way I've done it, I give myself a, a gift. The first year I bought the cage, and the bench, you know, the basics, the plates, then a slam ball one year, a hex bar one year, you know, a couple set of kettlebells one year, a full band. So every year I add, you know, hundred bucks to it. And by the way, if you do this, you will save thousands of dollars over the course of time. I mean, my whole entire gym has cost like 950 bucks. So a hundred bucks a year for, for 10 years instead of whatever your gym membership would be. So let's talk a little bit about the fact that for some dads that are trying to work out, their kids are watching them, and there's a positive in that and being able to show physical fitness. But then there's the question of incorporating your kids into that workout or having them be a part of that journey that you're on. What's been your experience with that? Especially, as you said, you're working out really early in the morning when, when people are not typically awake. But what are you showing your kids? How are you incorporating your kids into your own fitness? And what do you recommend for dads in that regard? I coach all their sports. I coach both their soccer teams. My, my daughter's a swimmer like I was. I was a competitive swimmer. So all her swim practices and all that kind of stuff. But what's funny is two things. One, because I work out so early in the morning, at the end of the day, if when the kids come home from school or whatever, if they want to go for a bike, or some night, you know, shooting hoops, throwing football, whatever, you know, he comes home and it's like, the neighborhood kids come out, we're playing wiffle ball, throwing football around, kicking us up. Like, that's just natural stuff. So my daughter will come out and do that. It's not like, oh, she's inside playing with dolls. My son, my daughter, we just went on a bike ride yesterday, like big bike rides. I know you're a big proponent of bike rides with your daughter as well. I am 100% into, they both do things. They're both, you know, I get my daughter's not going to want to shoot hoops all the time. She doesn't really care about basketball. But we're outside a lot. But my larger point is, because I already got my exercise time in before they even woke up, I'm not saying, oh yeah, you guys are fine, I have to go to the gym from five to six, or I have a class to go to, or I'm gonna try to lift from five to 6.30 before, before dinner. That is now free family time. 
because work's over. I already worked out. Now, again, once fall hits, you know, it's practices five days a week and all. So it's a little different. But for the most part, it's that. And to your point, which I think is the single most important part of all of this outside of taking care of yourself, as you know, your kids follow what you do. They absorb it. So on the weekends, I make a point of exercising. So Saturday mornings, I go sw- I swim and I bring both my kids to the pool with me. And they do laps with me. And sometimes, look, it's not a forced thing. Sometimes they'll be all into the workout. Sometimes they will just splash on the edges and do nothing. Sometimes they'll fight, which, you know, happens all the time. And one of them will sit out of the pool and the other will in the pool. Sometimes one will sit in the jacuzzi and pout. A lot of things happen, but they're with me to do the laps. And more often than not, they'll do a good amount of that stuff with me. And then on Sundays, I I don't do my workout early. I do much later in the day. So I do a whole jump rope thing with them. My My son is starting to get into it. When they see the exercise equipment in the house, and they see you, even if they don't see me working out because early, they see me disgusting and covered with sweat when I go to wake them up in the morning. So they know what's happening. My son will just creep in there sometimes. And it's awesome. Some mornings he'll come in with when I have 10 minutes left in my workout and be like, I'm going to do some push-ups with you, dad. And that is like, it's the greatest thing ever. I, if I had sat, in, as every parent knows, if I said to him, every morning you're going to get up and do 10 push-ups, there is no way in hell he's going to get up and do push-ups. I'm forcing him to do it. I never say a word. And he sees me, and he sees me blasting the Rocky soundtrack or whatever else in there, and he just rolls in. And again, it doesn't happen every morning, but more as he's getting older, often it does. And he'll just come in and be like, I'm going to do 10 push-ups and 10 pull-ups before we go, or you know, sit-ups before we go. That's it. They learn, as you know, by watching you a thousand times more than what you say. And so the benefits there, as you mentioned, are just, they pay off exponentially. You know, over the last year, I have started to... Uh, lift with some friends. And I had never done that before. Um, I'm a small guy. And I can't say that I can lift a ton. I mean, one of my really good friends who lives with me is about six two, six three. I mean, he used to be a power lifter. But I mean, I've learned a lot. And it's encouraged me to continue because I have people that I'm working out with. And for some, they need to do it alone. And I do have a membership at a gym, but it encourages me to go and do it on a regular basis because they hold me accountable. But I completely agree with you. Having things at home, though, because I do have some things at home, makes it a lot easier. So I appreciate you sharing all this because I think no matter what that you do, it's just doing it and starting something. Because even if it's a walk around the block, it's something. And then you can ramp it up and be able to start getting yourself to where you want to be. The most important part is getting used to doing it, whatever it is. So that's why I said, you know, a lot of guys fail because if, if, if somebody's listening and it's like, okay, Monday, here's what I'm going to do. You're going to get up, you know, you're going to do 20. Here's your push-up, pull-up, burpee, jump rope routine. It's a lot. And if you haven't worked out in a year or two or three or or even six months, you're going to not like it. You're kind of going to dread it. You're not going to enjoy it. But if I say to you, look, for the first week, I just want you, you usually get up, what time's your alarm? Well, 6.25. So set it for 5.50. Just get up and walk around your block for a half hour. Just get your legs moving. Have, you know, wake up, have a nice big glass of ice water, no caffeine, none of that stuff. Don't start getting your body in a habit of you know, 200 milligrams of caffeine at 6 o'clock in the morning. That's another one. Don't, don't do that. Have a nice glass of ice water. All you're going to do is get in the habit of being awake at that hour. 
And after a week, you're going to see, actually, there's, there's nothing wrong with this. In fact, it's peaceful. Nobody's bothering me from work or home or kids. It's un, it's, it, the way I look, it's stolen time. You just stole 45 minutes. And after you realize that nothing bad happens, you actually aren't really that tired all day. It's, maybe you'll start going, you'll, you'll probably go to start going to bed a little bit earlier by the end of the week, which is again, so what? You didn't finish that Netflix show. Who cares? You will do that again. You know, like if it's you know playoffs and like you know the NBA Finals and my Celtics are that that hurt my morally morning routine a little bit with the Celtics in the finals for a few days. But get in the habit of doing that, and then what you're going to find is okay. So now I have this 45 minutes every morning. Like you, I do want to strength train a little bit, and then you can. There's a million free ones on YouTube. I have some that I've. I have meathead movie workouts that are literally all bodyweight workouts you can do at home based on like the Terminator and, and you know, meathead action movies. You can do these for a month and all of a sudden you realize how much better you feel, how much energy you have. And then you do what, you know, what you're doing, which I think is just awesome. You're finding a group of guys who want to work out with you, even if it's online, even if you just accountability. Did you do this workout in your house today? I did this one. I think it's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you sharing this. I think that every one of us has the, I'm going to say not only the right, because it, you, we all have the right to do it, but really we have, there's an imperative, I think, to be able to take control of your own health, because not only for yourself, but really for you to stay actively engaged. And I say actively engaged, because you can be engaged, you can be there, but if you don't take the time to try to take control of your health, it's going to be a lot harder to keep up with those kids and be able to stay actively engaged with your kids. This doesn't mean that you have to be jacked and that you have to be lifting 350 pounds. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying is you just need to be active for what level of activity you want to be able to be active in. Because if that's just, I want to be able to play soccer in the front yard with my kid without dying when I'm trying to kick the ball, well, that's one thing. But then you can ramp it up as you go along too. John, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. Now, I always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. In one word, what is fatherhood? Exciting. When was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? When I taught her to bike ride. That was like a culmination of every difficult thing and being a parent specifically to a daughter, well, specifically, obviously, to my daughter. The, the Conquering that in a 10-second story, there was a standoff where we tried several times and she consistently wanted to quit and had become very emotional about it, had gone probably six or eight months after most of her friends were doing it. And I just said, we're not leaving this parking lot. So it was a school parking lot where we used to live. And I actually just laid down on the side, put my hat over my eyes, and I said, we'll sleep here. You can do this. You're just not letting yourself do it. I know you can do it. And like 30 minutes passed where she sat on one side of the parking lot. I sat on the other with the bike on the ground in the middle. And while I was lying there, I think I might have even fallen asleep. I slowly heard... You know, the tires move, the, the kickstand, you know, come up against the thing. I heard her get on. I heard dad. And she did it in one second. And that to me was like, it worked. I, I had visions while I'm lying there. I'm like, great. Like, we're going to be here for eight hours if I have to really prove this point. But she proved me right that she could do it. And I knew she could. And that was the moment. That's awesome. Now, how would your kids describe you as a dad? Goofy, fun. I'm pretty sure they would describe me as like, 
My, you know, I'm at the age now where I'm dorky, obviously, because they're like so cool at 9-11 and everything. But I think funny, we definitely laugh a lot in the house. I'm there all the time for everything. It's one of the joys of, of this kind of modern era that we live in. My wife has always gone to work very early for her job. So I'm the one I'm, who's been home with them when they wake up solo for their whole lives. I'm the one who picks them up from school and I coach all their stuff. So honestly, if like, if their answer is he's always around, I'm happy with that. Now, who inspires you to be a better Obviously, my dad growing up, I think, you know, I know a lot of people aren't fortunate to have that answer, but, but I certainly am. My dad traveled a lot when, when we grew up, so it wasn't more of, uh, you know, it was a more traditional. My mom was home you know, raising us. My dad had worked very, you know, whatever, 80s, 90s, 70s scenario in the house. But sharing the things that I have with my father over the years, sports is a big one for us, movies, books, just getting along, you know, having common interests. Again, I, I've got plenty with my daughter, plenty with my son, and, and plenty with my own dad. And so he certainly is the one that I look to when it comes to building relationships with your kids. Now, you've given a lot of pieces of advice today, but as you think about the either the work that you have done, are doing, or just the conversations that you're having with other dads, what's one other piece of advice that you would want to leave with dads today? Yeah, so you mentioned my, uh, a life of dad and, and our, our mutual buddy, Art, who's awesome, by the way. We interviewed hundreds of fathers for the Life of Dad and for the you know the Life of Dad book, and there's so many of those guys have little sound bites. But the number one that has always stuck with me because it, it matters the most and it's the simplest one is the Admiral David Robinson. You know, played for the San Antonio Spurs Hall of Famer. His quote is this, and it, it just it works because every dad will know when you feel busy. It's his quote is, "Don't get bogged down in this thing about quality time versus quantity time." Quantity time is what matters. Being there is more important than anything else. And that's the truth. If you hear people who didn't have good relationships with their dad, they may have been physically present, but they weren't available. Or they may have tried to cram in trips and weekends and random things to make up for the fact that they really weren't around or they were working or busy or other things. But his quote, and I extended it a little, we have, there's a shorter version we have. I can even post it on Twitter. You can share it if you'd like. It's a, don't worry, quality time is, is, is false. Quantity time is what matters. Being there is what counts. Day-to-day, consistent, more than anything, is what your kids will remember the most. And how over the time, when they leave your house and go live their lives, that you're always there and we're always there. The simplest thing, the easiest thing, and best thing you can do for your kids is give them your time and attention. Well, John, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here today, for sharing all that you have. If people want to find out more about you, follow what you're doing, you know, where is the best place for them to go? Yeah, I'm pretty active on Twitter, at John underscore Finkel, same on Instagram. And then uh, my website, John Finkel, J-O-N-F-I-N-K-E-L.com, has all of my blog posts, all of my books that I've written, which is a pretty good amount now, on a bunch of different subjects, fatherhood, fitness, big biographies on athletes. I did a book on the 1996 biography of a sports year, the greatest sports year ever. So a lot of different topics on there. So check it out. I'd appreciate it. Thanks, John. We'll put links in the notes today. I really appreciate your time and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. This was awesome. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, 
and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to them. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.